Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm your host and joined with me today is Mr. Sean Blanc. Hi, Sean. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you. You, are, you have returned to the show. Yes, thanks for having me back. So it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I have, we have a special type of show today, really. I think it's slightly different than usual. Um, and we're going to be talking about um, going. There's a term I think that people have used quite frequently when they talk about um, making their online business or, or you know creating an online business and and doing it for for their employment and for their main money earning and the term is going full time would you say that that has become like a a phrase in its in and of itself now yeah i I think so because it's you're you're taking something that you've been doing on the side and now you're going to start doing it full time yeah like people always ask me you know when are you taking 70 decibels full time and i say to them hopefully this year um, because that's what i'm saying in 2013 because i think that i will be able to this year um and it's become like this thing and, and, and people start their their online projects and eventually or from day one, they're like, this is what I want to do. I want to take this full time. Now, you are a humble man. We know this. You are a kind and humble man. So a lot of the things that, that I will say you, you will either laugh at or, or you will disagree with me on. But I believe that Sean Blanc is like a poster child for taking um, – online businesses full-time because you have done an excellent job of doing that with your website at seanblanc.net and your other various properties that we'll, we'll talk about as the, the show goes on. So you are now pretty much 100% um, supported by your online businesses. Is that is that a, an accurate statement to make? Yes. Excellent. Because I know that – I mean, just very quickly, as a slight aside before we get into what we're mainly going to talk about. I remember when you said that you were going to be taking the site full-time, you mentioned that you might be still doing design consultancy and stuff. Do you ever need to do that or do you do you do any of that or is it all just the websites now? It's just the websites now. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Thank, thank you. So um, what I basically put a call out to the listeners – and said, as I always do, I ask for questions every week. But I said, you know, this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about what it takes to take your your online side business full time. Um, what would you like us to talk about? And I basically pretty much this entire episode is listener questions, which we I've never had that sort of response before. We've had we got a few people that you'll hear that have multiple questions, so you'll hear their names pop up um, at different times. But that's because these people are obviously people that want to do this and, and they want the advice of someone with the expertise like yourself. So we're going to talk about uh, running online businesses generally, um, a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff at seanblanc.net and then some stuff around time management, budgeting, and then maybe stuff about some apps and things like that. So it's going to be a bumper episode today. Sounds exciting. I'm ready. And also, I, I had, a, had a preview to the question. So. You did, and you're the first person that has ever been given that. So you, you are a special case, though, Sean. I give you special treatment. Thanks. Um, yeah, because this is this is slightly different. I wouldn't have wanted to just bundle these on you as well. It, it made sense when you, when you asked if you could see them um, because th- this probably takes a little bit more thought than usual. You don't want to be giving people advice and stuff, and then they uh, quit their jobs, and then that's it. You, right. We don't we don't want to encourage that today, do we? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Dan Benjamin's doing a pretty good job at making people quit. Or may, at least making them feel like they want to quit. Yeah. It's a good show. Quit on 5 by 5 Oh, of which you are you are you are a member of 5 by 5 so there you go. It's always good. Oh, I am I have a show over there. I was on an episode of Quit. I think I was on episode 3. You mean 3? Three. Is that with an F or a TH? Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to pay for that episode, so... Um... <laughs> right, so let's get into it. Let's get right. into... So th- we're going to be talking about running online businesses. So first question for you, Sean Blanc. This is from at BD14. That's Brad Fulton on Twitter. And he asks, um, what is the biggest barrier to entry. So what was 
or maybe for you as well, what was the biggest barrier to entry when it comes to taking your side business full time? Uh, that's, you know, that's kind of a loaded question. And I think that there's, it, it, and partly it depends on what business you're, you're going to be taking full time. If you're trying to open up a, you know, retail shop, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of barriers to entry for that, but since we're primarily talking about online stuff, um, I think the biggest barrier to entry is your own fear of failure, uh, or it could even be your own fear of success. Um, I kind of had a little bit of both of those when I was taking my site full time, um, and I kind of liken it to skydiving in public in that you're, you know, you're jumping out of this airplane saying, you know, here I go, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And you really hope that you're, you're able to land. And so there can be a lot of fear of failure. And I think that that's, that's certainly one of the biggest barriers of entry. Kind of once you can get past that, then everything else is just logistics. Um, you know, do you need some investment money to start off? Do you need to, you know, start some sort of corporation, you need an LLC or an S Corp? Do you, you know, need a fictitious name for your business, whatever it may be, getting all that stuff set up, the finances, the logistics, et cetera. Um, and that, that can be kind of annoying, but I don't think it's the biggest barrier of entry by any means. What do you mean by f- uh, fear of success? If... Um, you know, the idea that, hey, I'm going for this project and let's say that everyone jumps on board and, uh, you know, it's, it, it happens. You know, you're kickstarting something or whatever it may be and it actually happens. Well, now you've got to, you know, say you're Frank Frank Chimero and you're you're going to write this book, The Shape of Design. So you do the kickstart and then everyone backs you and, okay, well, actually, now you got to write the book. You actually have to do what you said you were going to do. Um, and that can actually be... That can actually be intimidating, right? Like the idea of a project is always a little bit more fun and exciting than the actual hard work of, of making that project a reality. And so I think that in in some ways you can kind of say like, man, this would be really cool. But if it actually happens, I got to commit. You know, I got to I gotta quit my day job or I've got to change how I spend my time or, you know, I'm I'm locked in. And that can actually, I think some people kind of, shy away from that and sabotage their own their own projects because they don't want them to actually succeed because then you're committed. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, I guess it maybe applies more to to things like writing a book, you know, something that has a tangible end goal to it. Like SeanBlanc.net does not have like a visible end goal. It's not like you're working on a body of something that will finish at a you know, prescribed time or it comes to the end and you have to deliver this final product. It's just like an ongoing thing for you, right? So where somebody might write a chapter, you know, you don't publish each chapter as you finish it, you know. So for you, it's like every day you're writing more and writing more and building and building and building on something that people see as, you know, every day rather than right at the end of something. Yeah, that's very true. So Chris Gonzalez, who's at Grumble, um, on Twitter, um, asks, what kind of websites or blogs do you consider worthy of having a membership subscription? So obviously the way that you, um, Sean, the way that you have been able to turn uh, your site into a business is by having monthly membership schemes. I mean, he also wants to know, what do you feel entices people to spend a few bucks a month on a given site? Um, I think what entices someone to spend money is... Uh, I- I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? Like maybe they're kind of loose with money or um, I think with, you know, websites where you're, you're an independent artist and you're, you're asking for this micro patronage. um, I think some people will support you on principle, um, you know, and then maybe you've got these true fans, like they're, they're genuinely, uh, they're on board with what you're doing and they're, they're happy to support your work. Um, I think that like what you like a, a website that would be you know worthy of having a membership subscription. Um, I, I think what entices people to do that is that there there's something that they can clearly see that they want. There's the 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 patron, the person supporting the site. There's a, a clear goal, and so they're they're excited about it, and they they want in right. And I think that's you're going to get um, usually you'll get like an initial early group of like backers. I always like the the idea of a Kickstarter re- relating it to a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, which basically you, on the Kickstarter campaign, you've got the two balloons of uh, backer activity, right? Right at the front end, 
where you've got like the the early adopters, the early backers, and those are usually like the true fans or who are really excited to see this happen. And then you've got all of those people who jump on at the very end after the campaign has been funded. And they they go, Oh, you know, I'm definitely something's obviously happening here. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and, and back this because I know that I'll get a reward for, you know, being a backer. Um, and so I think that if you're, uh, if you, you do some sort of membership thing, you'll definitely get like a initial group of supporters, uh, if there's some sort of pent up demand for it. But I think the vast majority of your members are going to sign up when there's like a clear goal in sight. Um, and so I think that if you're going to offer membership and if you want it to be a success, then you've got to have, uh, like something of like real, something of value to offer to them. You want it to, uh, something that's tangible to the patron to see. Um, and so I think that let's say, you know, for me, it was, I'm offering membership subscription. So I said, you know, I'm going to take my website full time. And so I've seen some people that are doing this that say, I am, you know, I'm, I'm opening up memberships and the memberships are now open with the goal of eventually getting me to be able to go full time. Right. They're, they're saying this membership is, you know, either the, the primary or it's going to be one of the revenue streams for this website. And if, uh, if all the revenue streams eventually get to where they need to be, then I, you know, I promise I'm going to go full time with it. Um, and I think that if you do that take, if you say, Hey, uh, you know, please become a member. And if enough people sign up, then, then I will go full time. My guess is you're probably never going to be successful in it because what you're doing is you're asking your members to take the risk on your behalf. So what I would do if I was in that situation, since, you know, I guess kind of leads to this question, I'm going to create my own question here. You know, how, how would you offer a membership subscription if you're not yet ready to go full time? Um, which I think is a, a, is a great idea because the, you don't have to offer something um, that people sign up for. And the only perk is that you're going to begin doing your project, whatever it is that they're supporting you to do, that you're going to now do that as your full time endeavor. Right. Uh, Patrick Rohn is a great example. He's got this email newsletter subscription. And he has made very clear that he has no intentions of taking. He's got lots of websites, Minimal Mac being obviously the most popular. Um, and he's been very clear that he ha- never has any intentions to take it full time because as a, as a Mac consultant and an IT consultant on the side, that is much of what gives him the stuff to write about for his website. He goes, if I quit my jobs and started writing full time, I'd ha- actually have less to write about. So, But he does have this patronage thing where you can sign up and you can get his newsletter and that is a, a membership perk, and that's that's uh, a revenue stream for him. And so if, if you have this idea like, hey, I want to take this site full-time, and I think that a membership subscription deal would be a great revenue stream for me, then what I would do is I would keep the the membership goal on the down low. And I would dream up an amazing membership perk right now that you can offer today. Not not the promise of an, a membership perk down the road, but a membership perk right now that that exists uh, you know, and who knows what, what, you know, whatever you have to come up with your own ideas for that one. Um, and then people are signing up, not for what might be, but they're signing up for what is right now. And then you, you're in the background and you're going, okay, now this is a, a revenue stream that hopefully if this grows to the, the size that it needs to be, then I can tell everyone, Hey, you know what? The, the site's doing well. I'm going full time with it. Uh, and I think that in a way what worked for me was launching the membership drive was, uh, you know, I, I, I launched it literally the, the same day that I announced I was going full time. And so for me, I was the I was the first one to take the risk. Like I got out there in front of, of everyone and I said, I'm going full time with this site. I, I really hope it's going to work. And at the time, I didn't have the revenue to make it happen. I was, um, you know, I was putting my trust that the people who'd been reading my site would be willing to give me a couple bucks a month and enough people would be willing to do it that it would work. But I, I kind of took that initial risk by saying, I'm going full time. Here we go. Please, you know, please join me. And as opposed to asking people to, um, to show up first. And then if enough people show up, then, then you'll go ahead and, and kind of cross that bridge that they've built for you. And said, you just kind of, kind of got a leap, right? Like that's why they call it like, you know, leaping into full time or something. Yeah. 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 Take a leap, leap of faith. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Do you know, I'm really pleased you said that, actually, because this is something that I roll around in my head quite a lot. You know, people just being like, here's my new site and here's how I want you to support it. And it's probably not the right way around to do things, as you say. And I mean, we spoke a lot 
um, the first time you came on the show in episode three about memberships and, and membership schemes. And I linked to this then. I'm going to link to it again. Two pieces that you wrote, one called Fanatics and one, and one called True Fans. Mm-hmm. And and when whenever you talk about these things, or whenever I hear people talk about these sorts of things, these are the pieces that I always think of because they're kind of like describing how you know to, to be successful at this stuff, you need a fan base, you know, of one, so that they, you know, they, you, they, you got your fans, but then you need like the early adopters, as you mentioned, the people that are going to jump right in and support you no matter what, and they are your fanatics. Yeah, the true fans, exactly. And I just find it just very interesting, and, and and it's I like that you feel this way, like the same way that, that you you think along the same lines as me with this sort of stuff, and that's what I find um, interesting because it it you kind of need to have a base of people that are ready to to pay money, and you get those by working every day. So um, at Nilsman wants to know, um, do you think that there will be new income sources? Um, not advertising for content creators. You know, as as we move, we see people moving away from ads or people trying to do ads differently. What do you think is the future for for supporting uh, creators, content creators? Uh, I think there's there's a bazillion ways to make a dollar being an artist, right? Uh, you know, you you can sell your own work, or you can um, you, know, you can have ads on. You know, let's if you're in my situation, you're, you're uh, you got a website. Uh, my my full time income is comprised of you know partial ads and, and partial membership subscriptions, um, and I think that the the concept of a of a reader or a fan directly paying the artist for the the work that they're doing that's that's a growing concept. More and more and more people are becoming comfortable with that and are are signing up for it. I mean, we look at the New York Times, their uh, their paywall is obviously being successful cuz they're continuing haven't, you know, announced impending bankruptcy or anything like that. Um and it's so I I think that's a a very viable uh uh way to to support yourself is is direct relationship with uh, your fans. And there's um something Seth Godin said one time on like a a radio show years ago that I I happened to hear was he talked about how uh, it's – and I, actually, I think we talked about this on, on episode three last time, was the, uh, you know, like the ideas that spread win, right? And then he said that you, you give away your ideas for free and then you sell souvenirs. And so that's, that's another thing a lot of people do. It's, it's really common if you've got a you – know, you're trying to monetize your blog – you've got all this, this content that you're writing. Well, you know, take some of those best pieces, refine them, get a, get a professional editor, go through it and turn it into a book or, or something like that. Or, you know, you're, you're Brett Kelly and you know, Evernote better than anyone else in the world. So you write a, a how to with Evernote and, and you sell that as a, you know, PDF or, or something like that. So it's not just ads though. I don't think ads are ever going to go away, but there's all sorts of different ways to do it. And I think that you, um, you know, you pick something, try this and, and, and try that and try this and, and you learn how to make a dollar by making a dollar. And then, uh, the more you do it, the more, the more you get better at it. You figure out what works, what doesn't work, what you feel you're best at and things like that. I do feel like the people that will be the most successful are the ones that find interesting ways to make money. Like there isn't, a thing that me or you could probably tell somebody to do that we're not doing. Otherwise, we would be doing it. You know, right? If, yeah. we, if we and you, me or you, had a really good idea about how to make some money doing what we do, we'd be doing it. You know, that's called yeah, it's called starting a business. Oh, I have this great <laughs> idea! I don't make money. You know? <laughs> Let me tell you about my million dollar idea that I think anybody yeah. could do. You know, I just and, and that's that's the interesting thing. Like that's people. The people that will be successful are the ones that can come up with interesting ways to make money online. They will be, the and ones I think that. it's yeah, and I think it's a journey too, right? Like you usually don't have just one million dollar idea and then that's it, right? Like you usually there's probably been a bazillion ideas before that one, and you'll have a bazillion more, and you like you act on some of those, right? You practice. You okay? I'm gonna try doing this. Oh, that didn't work. I'm gonna try doing this. Oh, that worked a little bit. I'm, okay, I'm gonna try this, right? And you you get good at doing something by doing it. Mm. Um, so I think instead of just waiting, like try, yeah, 
put an ad up on your site or, you know, whatever, just do something, start making a buck. And then you'll learn from that. And that'll lead you to the next thing that leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing. So at Tafias, I would like to know, uh, what do you tell your family and friends you do for a living? Um, I mean, most of my family knows what I do for a living, but like people that don't know or that, that don't get it. Uh, I just tell them that I, I work from home. I run my own businesses and they, you know, Oh, what does that mean? I say, well, I've got a couple of websites that I own and, and I, uh, I do writing for those. And they're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you ever find it hard to convince people that you can support your new family? Like, do people ever look at you and be like, um, is your wife okay? You know, like I've do- never, <laughs> I've never like flat out had anyone just not believe me, but I definitely get a, a lot of raised eyebrows. Like what? Really? It's yeah. like, it's like, okay. It's, 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 I've said this before, but like, it's weird to try and explain to people what podcasting is because people have even less of a understanding of that than blogging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like three, four, five years ago telling someone that you were a blogger. They're like, a, a what? What do you do? I don't understand what you what Wait, you are. So you write about your family vacations, and you make money from that, and you post <laughs> you post pictures of sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, what's Twitter for? All right, right. So Chris Gonzalez again would like to know if you could go back in time to when you started your website, SeanBlanc.net, and give your past self some advice. What would it be? Is there anything you would tell yourself to avoid, or that you could have done sooner? Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I, I get this question a lot, actually. And it's, I, I kind of like to think of it as if I could go back in time, it might be just a fool's errand anyways, because like, who knows, right? If I, if I were to go back in time, most likely what I would tell myself is, hey, think of a better blog title other than SeanBlanc.net. You know, I actually think of something cool, right? You know, and even today, you know, six years later, I, I, I still have nothing. But, um, <laughs> But I think of that. I'm like, okay, well, suppose that I had named my site something else, um, you know, I, some non, you know, something that was less of a, a personal brand, right? My my blog is basically turned into a personal brand. And let's say I had named it something clever. Um, if I had done that, would it have still made a way for me? I feel like I've got a great relationship with with most of the people that read my site. And, you know, obviously you've got people that read your site and they're, they're kind of disconnected or whatever. And then you got the, the random Google visitor who checks in and then leaves. But there's that core group of people that read my site. And a lot of them are members. Some of them aren't. And that's okay. But when I first went full-time now, um, there was about 10% of the, the, the readership for the site signed up to become a member. And I think that's a great number. I think 10% is awesome. And... I'm I'm wondering if I did if I did had a a non a non personal brand for the site, would there have been the same uh, connection between me as the writer and the reader? If that connection would it have been as strong to be able to get the amount of people to sign up that that signed up for the membership on on the front end, um, and I don't know. And and part of me thinks maybe not. Uh, because when I kind of step back and look at what I'm doing and, and the fact that I've got this site that's able to support me and I compare it to other sites and, and kind of what I know in terms of traffic and, and revenue for them, I'm like, this, like the ratios are not the same. And, uh, like my site is really in like the bucket of the internet and, and the bucket of, of the people that I'm kind of running with in terms of people that are doing this full time, I am like a really little guy. And my site is really, really small. And the fact that I'm a part of this group of, of people I get to do this for, for their full-time job is, uh, you know, I'm, I just consider myself extremely blessed. And I think it's only because of the relationship I have with the people that read my site. And so sometimes I think, okay, well, if I had gone back and changed the name of the site, you know, maybe that all would have, none of that would have happened. So, so I don't think I would have given myself any advice. Um, Things that I would have done sooner, I would have advertised sooner. I would have started trying to make a dollar sooner. Um, you know, like I would have, you know, when you got 10 visitors, 10 monthly page views, right? Like try to sell an ad. Why not? Sell it for 50 cents. Uh, because, you know, like I said earlier, you you learn about this stuff by actually doing it. And I don't think there's any shame um, because you're, 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 you're not necessarily selling 
I guess if you got ads, yes, you're you're in a way you are selling the the pages and the amount of of people that visit your site and the eyeballs. But you're also saying, you know what, like the work I'm doing is worthy of of uh, you know at least buying me a, a candy bar or something like that, right? And so in a way, you're sort of you're you're teaching yourself that it's 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 okay to get paid for the work that you're doing. Even if it's just a little bit, even if it's way, 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 way below minimum wage. At least it's something. It's a lesson to learn. Once you learn it, once you understand that, you feel a lot better about it. And and then you feel like you can warrant the time you spend on it because it's worth something that somebody's willing or a company's willing to to pay you for. And that's, that's good. It's a good feeling. Yeah. It kind of gives you credibility to yourself at least. It does. And I mean, to be fair, I probably wouldn't have been able to sell any ads for a long time. And that would have probably been depressing. But at least I would have been trying, I guess. You, you learn. Know? And, 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 you, and then you're buying into that mindset. You know, the work I'm doing is worth worth making a dollar off of it. You, you learn a lot about being rejected as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when, a, when a, a company says to you, you know, we haven't, we just, you know, we don't think it's right now. Um, sometimes I give you some interesting feedback, which I've had in the past, and it's good. It's good to get that. And you, you learn. I mean, you learn that sometimes an email written this way helps you more than an email written this way. And, you, you know, you just start to pick up on things, and it's it's good good lessons to learn. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff at Sean Blanc HQ. All right. Um, C. Franco, too, on Twitter, I believe. See the Twitter app dot net. I should say – I should record which ones, but – they are somewhere on the internet. Um, how do you continue to come up with original things to write about um, rather than just adding to the echo chamber? I mean, wh- where do your ideas come from, Sean? I'm going to, you know, first I'm going to take that as a huge compliment from C. Franco. That's, you know, thanks. Uh, my answer is I have no idea. <laughs> your brain. I, 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 yeah, there must be something in the water. Um, I just... I don't know. I just I write about what I write about, and uh, if if people feel that it's original and they're finding value from it, then awesome. Thank you. Um, at knows best would like to know. This is kind of kind of uh, linked in a way. Do, do you still love writing about iPhones and Macs and stuff um, as much as when you first started? Yeah, for sure. I love it. I'm told. I'm. I mean, I'm a nerd. Have you ever considered going a different route? Like, if you ever thought one day, I want to write about snowboarding now and uh, change everything? I have. It, and that's kind of what's awesome about I have this, this uh, in addition to, you know, I do the membership thing. And one of the big perks, obviously, other than me writing on a regular basis, is I have this daily podcast called Sean Today. And uh, I talk about a lot of stuff in Sean Today that I don't, I don't write about. Um, but it's all very, very connected. I, I kind of write about, um, you know, life stuff, diligence, focus, productivity, family tools. Uh, I write about like some of the behind the scenes stuff I'm doing. So, you know, for example, I'm right now, I'm, I'm literally setting up a, a media server. I've got an old, uh, MacBook pro that's getting repurposed as a media server here at the house. And for about the past week, I've been, you know, ripping DVDs and trying different apps and, you know, setting it all up. And, uh, I haven't, you know, peeped a word about it on my site, but I've had a few shows where I've talked about, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing and some of it's just lighthearted and, you know, joking around and whatnot. Um, and so I've, I've, I guess in a way like the, the different route is, uh, I kind of am going that route, but instead of writing about it on my site, I'm, I'm talking about it on, on this, uh, my daily show. Um, so that's, that's kind of been a lot of fun. And I think if I were to go a different route in terms of my writing and my publishing, um, I don't know if it would be topics as much as it would be a different business model uh, altogether. And that's actually something I'm currently experimenting with on uh, my other site. I've got a site, toolsandtoys.net, uh, and I'm, I'm building up a small staff of writers over there. And we're kind of starting to do, uh, you know, work together as a team for the editorial schedule and stuff like that. Um, and that's been a lot of fun for me, having having a few guys to work with. You have Stephen Hackett writing with you, don't you? Mm-hmm. Of this network and the five twelve podcast, so I, I like tools and toys. That's this is like the Sean Blanc empire, like tools and toys. This is you building a, a media empire. It's like something a little bit different. Well, I'm a hundred percent extrovert, right? So I go nuts when I'm at home by myself all the time. So I was like, I've got to get some coworkers. 
and um, you know, and some help. And I think that in in some ways, when you've got a you know these group sites, then you know, and and you know, I'm I'm providing jobs for guys that that want to do more on on the web. I, I love that. Uh, I'm able to give them. You know, they're not contributing for free by any means, and uh, so it's it's been fun. I like it. The way that I hear that is like, yeah, those guys they won't work for free. I've tried, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that uh, I think a worker's worth his wages. I like that. So, um, Chris Gonzalez again. This guy, so many questions. Um, are there types of? I'm, I'm kidding. He, he's a friend, actually. I'm I'm friends with him. He's, I know. He's he's actually been uh, he's actually helping me with tools and toys right now too. I know. I saw his name pop up on a, in in my RSS. But no, he, he's heard he had loads of questions and I thoroughly encourage him to email me them, which he did. And I'm very pleased because he's got some great ones like this one. So are there types of posts or articles you would recommend not writing about? So in other words, are there topics you consider played out, no longer worthy of discussion or that you ever roll your eyes over? That is a, that's a great question. And um, I, I actually, I I see this question a lot and people talk about this all the time, right? Like you want to avoid just being in the echo chamber, you want to avoid just being another me too blogger. Right. And, and the, the thought is that, well, the way you avoid that is by what you do and don't write about. But I disagree. I think that you, you avoid being part of the echo chamber and you avoid being a me too blogger by having something interesting to say, like by actually contributing to the conversation. Right. So so basically to answer Chris's question, if there are topics that I consider played out or if there's stuff that I roll my eyes about, the answer is no. I, there aren't topics that I get tired of. The things I get tired of are people who whine and who jockey for attention and are trying to get you know big position and you know get people to look at their website. Um, that's what I roll my eyes at is is you know those people that whine. So my uh, if all my 10 favorite writers are all posting links and, and writing about the same topic – uh, chances are pretty good I'm going to read all 10 of their links and all 10 of the articles that they wrote because I'm interested in these what these guys have to say. And so I don't get tired of the topic. I it's the I just and then I keep myself from rolling my eyes by just avoiding the people that write eye rolling content. So Chris's last question. Um, what would you think about somebody else doing a daily behind-the-scenes podcast similar to Sean today as a membership subscription perk for their own site? Would you feel stolen from or would you encourage it? And I guess this kind of links back to what we were saying about memberships themselves, you know, doing something different. But what do you think about that? Like, Sean today, I think it was quite maybe even more unique than um, – you know, because coupled with the fact that it was behind a paywall – in a sense, you know, you have mm-hmm. to pay to get it, made it, I mean, very unique. I don't really know of many people that were doing that at all, if anyone. Like, I can't think of anybody that was doing it before you. So, if you saw somebody doing that now, I mean, what, what is your opinion on that? Um, I, you know, I've stolen so many ideas from other people that I don't really feel like I have the right to claim ownership of the some of the new things that I've done. Um, and, you know, it'd be one thing if they were flat out stealing you know, my stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, that's one thing to steal something I've actually created, but just to, to, to take one of my business models, like, you know, so what that's like, go for it. I don't care. So that's saying, yeah, cause ho- hopefully, hopefully what I'm doing is, is good enough that it, it can, it can handle someone else coming along and doing the same thing. You're so kind, Sean. You know that? Thanks. Thank Yeah, sure. I think Thanks. a lot of people would just be like that guy. No, I mean, I stole the the membership idea. Just doing uh, the the quarterly, you know, the way my membership works is it's three dollars a month, but you get billed three months at a time. I stole that from Marco. I do a bunch of links on my site that I stole from John Gruber. Uh, you know, like the link list idea. Um, you know, I mean, I like there's it's just all a remix, right? I like that. That's a good term. It's all a remix. Um, Tafias would like to know. Um, how do you balance editorial choices? So, and, and so, how do you sorry? How do you balance them with business demands or social pressures? And he was like, honesty in reviews, like omitting a review. So maybe somebody wants to contact you and say, you know, please review this app or something. How do you balance that sort of stuff? Um, you know, when people reach out to me, I get a. I get, uh, I get emails all the time saying, "Hey, check out this app. You know, we'd love for you to review it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, 
and so you know sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, and uh, like, but I think with in terms of like the the business demands or the the pressure from you know like you always want to avoid conflict of interest and things like that. I think that basically what I do with uh, with tools and toys because we get people that say, hey, you know, we built this, you know, we'd love to send you a, a review unit and things like that, and usually it's like, hey, we'd love to send you a review unit, and most people are like, it's yours, here you go. If you like it, hopefully you'll post about it, right? Most most uh, vendors are they know how it works, um, you know. But every now and then you get someone who says, "Hey, you know, I'll send you this if you review it," and I always say, "You're welcome to send it, but I zero promises if I'm going to review it or not." And just to let you know, if we do, you know, no guarantee that it will be a positive review. You know, you're welcome to send it. That's up to you. And then what we will say about it is what we will say about it. Um, it's always being clear with the people that you know, the developers or, or whoever it is that I'm communicating with behind the scenes. And then when it comes down to actually writing and the editorial choices that I do, um, you know, I kind of just have like two like mantras, I guess, or whatever. And, uh, you know, one is just to always write honest, honestly, just, just write exactly the, the truth of how I feel about things. Um, and try not to hype it up or try not to, to be dramatic about it, either good or bad. Um, and then also I kind of just, you know, my grandma or whoever it was, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, you know, don't say anything at all. And I'd, I kind of follow that with my side. I, I try to usually focus on things that I'm actually excited about, that I have something positive to say. And part of that is because, like, why do you want to, you know, hey, 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 everyone, come here, come here, come here, come here, look at this. This thing right here, this sucks. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> hey, everyone, look. <laughs> Exactly. Like yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like that is a waste of everyone's time. Like, okay, you got my attention. I'm here. Okay, what do you got? Oh, you're here to show me, like, you know, a, a piece of poop. Okay, thanks. You know, like, yeah. I sort of feel like that's a waste of time. Um, the, the times where I do write about stuff, if I have something negative to say, um, one example is the the hidden radio. It was a, a Kickstarter project that I backed. Uh, I got the hidden radio, and I just thought it was, uh, you know, kind of a turd. It looked really cool, but it sounded not that great. And uh, but then I so I had a Jumbo Jambox I compared to it, and the Jambox is awesome. Highly recommend the Jambox. So in a way, it was sort of like a negative review of the Hidden Radio coupled with a positive review of the Jambox. Um, and then also sometimes something that's really gaining a lot of steam, gaining a lot of traction, and people are are interested in it. People are spending money on something, and I happen to you know. Have you know? I've spent time with it. Or maybe I spent my money on it. Whatever it is, I'm like, this thing sucks, you know. And so, if I have something negative to say in that regard, it's more like a warning sign. Hey, you know, everyone's checking this out. I don't think it's worth your time. Um, but to say like, hey, look, I found a diamond in the rough, and actually, it's it, it's a turd. Uh, I, I feel like that's I don't I don't spend my time there. It's nice. This is this you know this is one of the reasons why. I at least refer to you as one of the nicest people on the internet, <laughs> which I will never let go. That is who you are, Sean, whether you like it or not. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. So I want to take a very quick break to talk about our friends over at Squarespace. So Squarespace, they give you absolutely everything you need to make an amazing, beautiful stupendous website. So Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment that allows you to create your home online, whether it be a website, blog, or portfolio. Basically, whatever you want to create a website for, Squarespace can give you all of the tools you need to do it. It doesn't matter how experienced you are when it comes to putting websites together, you can build something amazing in minutes. They have a drag-and-drop interface for design, which is fantastic. They have beautiful templates. You do not need to worry about employing a designer. Um, Their templates all feature responsive web design too, so your site will look fantastic on any and all devices. Um, they have what else do they have well they have fantastic hosting scaling and integration with social services like Twitter and Facebook their layout engine page builder allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds you just add blocks of content and you can drag and drop them around um, your website all within the web browser It's, it's very very impressive to see they have fantastic statistics real time analytics They are built right into Squarespace. They can show you all your traffic information. They can show you if people are linking to you. All of that stuff is built right in. You don't have to worry about installing um, extra services and things like that. 
They have fantastic iOS and Android apps. You don't need to worry about paying for these. They are free and they allow you to view your statistics, as I mentioned. You can also manage and post to your site on the go as well, which is very, very important in this day and age, I feel. Um, You can import content from your current blog and you can easily set up sharing to your social media accounts so you can have it automatically tweet for you um, when you're posting a new thing to your site, etc., etc. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. They respond in minutes. They have live online workshops to help walk you through step-by-step everything you need to know to build your site. There's no credit card required to try out Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels where you can start your free trial. Go and try it out and see what they've got. And if you are happy and you want to sign up for an account, it starts at $10 a month for Squarespace's standard plan and $20 a month for their unlimited plan. If you sign up and pay upfront for one year, you'll get 20% off that monthly price. And if you sign up for two, you'll get 25% off. If you decide to purchase, use the code 70 decibels one at checkout and you will get an additional 10% off either one of the annual plans or 10% off your first month if you pay month to month. So go check out Squarespace, everything you need to make an amazing website. So thank you to them for continuing to support us because it's very, very important. So, Mr. Blanc, time management. Mm-hmm. So you are a... a most most of the time a one man band and you write and you work in an industry which never sleeps yes um so how do you go about managing your time i mean is there any hard and fast rules that you follow like what do you do what considerations do you make to ensure that you do not work 24 hours 7 days a week um i'm going to answer that question a little bit better um or a little bit differently sorry no, no, you say better. I understand how this goes, Sean. You're, well, lo- you're losing your nice guy title here, you know. Well, like I think <laughs> when most people think of time management, they think of scheduling, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge part of it, right? But that's just sort of the expression of you know managing your time well. Um, of course, you know David Allen always talks about you, you can't you can't manage time. You can't take five minutes and by managing it, end up with six minutes. Right, you can manage money that way. You take five bucks, and if you manage it well, you'll end up with six dollars. You can't do that with time. You, you you spend a few minutes managing your five minutes. Well, now you're down to three. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, well, before my son was born, I was I had a had a great schedule. You know, I was usually up at five thirty in the mornings, um, kind of prep for my day. I sat down at the desk usually by seven. Uh, I would work for a couple hours, usually seven to eleven. I would I would work, uh, take a little break for lunch, uh, you know, do some admin emails and stuff in the afternoon, then work a little bit more, have dinner, um, in, and then that, call it a day. And that was awesome. That was a that was a really productive schedule for me. And kind of the way that I would spend my time is you know sit down for work and uh, yeah, I'm really good at checking all the inboxes incessantly, and so that's always been been a, a hassle. Or maybe a like a struggle challenge to leave the inboxes alone for a little while and just work on creating something. And so, kind of go through. Okay, what do I need to do today? And kind of mapping out just sort of a, kind of like a, just a daily plan. Like, what are the main things I want to accomplish today? How long are those going to take? Okay, when am I going to do them? And uh, you know, scheduling your time is not unlike making a budget. You know, I've got you know finite amount of time. I've got finite amount of dollars. And you know, how am I going to spend my time? How am I spend my money? Right? Like you. Uh, the only the only difference is you can't do like a credit card debt with your with your time right like when you're done you're done there's there's no can't like borrow any from anybody um so anyways all that to say um how do i go about managing my time well well, i definitely could manage it better i think that it's something um actually that i spoke with uh with with your mics on mics guys mike and mike Mm -hmm. uh recently we talked about time management on their show um, and kind of the way that I approach it, right, is the filling out your daily schedule sort of like if you pull back to like the 90,000 foot view, like start, you know, think ahead to when you're like 95 and you're about to die and, you know, think, okay, what are the things that I want to have accomplished at that time? What are the big life goals that I have in terms of my relationships with people and my family in terms of the legacy that I leave for my kids, the inheritance that I leave for my kids, the the things that I contribute to the world, you know, Steve Jobs, make a ding in the universe, right? Like what are those big things I'm going to look back 
and I will either have accomplished them or I will have regret about not accomplishing them. Like what are those important things, right? And and then you kind of say, okay, you, you pick out like the five or six, whatever it is. And, you know, it can be related to money. It can be related to your, your family and your relationships. It can be related to your career. It can be related to things you want to do. I really want to visit the Great Wall of China before I die, right, or something like that. You've got some of these big life goals and aspirations. And then you kind of, you know, rewind or fast forward, whatever it is, back to today, and you think, all right, well, what? What do I need to do on a daily basis that's going to progress me towards those goals? And some of that fleshes itself out in how you actually spend your time. But a lot of it also fleshes itself out in like your daily lifestyle practices. Um, and so you know, like an example that I had when, when I did Mics on Mics, I was like, what if my life, one of my life goals, what if it is to give away $100 million to uh, the poor and to, to, to charities and things like that, right? Say I want to just give away an astronomical uh, amount of money. Well, that if if that's a goal that I have, not only does it have to affect sort of my my daily schedule, uh, you know, in little ways of like you know planning and budgeting or finding charities to give to or something like that, right? But it also has to affect my daily lifestyle of if I'm at the grocery store, you know, I maybe I just choose I'm going to buy Bargain Brand. You know, or maybe I choose that instead of driving such and such a car, I'm going to drive this other type of car that is more reliable, is a little bit cheaper, but maybe it's not quite as cool or fast, right? That's a those are like lifestyle choices that I decide to make so that they serve this bigger goal that I have. So that is sort of like the foundation for then how your time management comes out. Like, and so for me, it's it goes okay. Like I have this this foundational lifestyle goal of I want to be, uh, I want to write honestly on the internet. I want to highlight things that I'm excited about that I find positive, right? And so that affects how I spend my time. If I, if I see like a, a rumor I'm not really interested in, I don't, I don't go after it. I don't, I don't read about it. I don't go into extensive. And, and instead I spend my time on things that, that I am excited about and so that I can spend my time writing about those things. And then, uh, you know, something else I do is I, I constantly reevaluate my schedule and look at, okay, when am I getting up? How am I spending uh, the time in the morning? How am I spending my work hours? When am I going to bed? And kind of looking at my schedule, how, how it um, interacts with my wife's schedule and everything like that. And, you know, every, every couple of months, re-looking at that. How can this be, uh, you know, refined? How can it be better? How can I be spending my time uh, more efficiently in a way that I'm, I'm actually doing the things that I want to be doing? So. Have you had to learn anything the hard way? Um, yeah, I think that uh, like working from home is not as as great as it may seem. I think a lot of people, you know, think of it the dream. You don't, you know, you don't have to wear pants to work, and you can just bum around the office. You only have to take a shower once a week. Um, unlimited supply of coffee in the kitchen, you know. Uh, but it, it's it it definitely has its pros, but it's got a lot of cons as well. And I think that it's been. Um, a lot, a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, for sure. Yeah, I've started working from home a bit in my actual day job. Um, I now get the ability to work from home, and it's nice, but it can be, it can be tough, like to not have that human reaction. Like, the yeah, human exactly. Not not being people. around uh, coworkers is, you know, for a guy who's extremely extroverted, it's it's. Not all roses. It is not. So this whole show, this whole episode came about because of an episode of your show, the BNB podcast that I heard back in November. And it was a Q&A episode that you and your, your colleague, your esteemed colleague, Mr. Ben Brooks, were conducting. And it was episode 83 and it will be in the show notes. And on it, you talk about your budgeting practices. Because, you know, the way you, it might be because of the way you earn your money or, or heavier as you do it. But you have a system of budgeting that I found really interesting. So would you care to share that with, with people? How do you budget? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to rem- I don't remember exactly what I said on there that was that was interesting. Um, do you do you remember? I think it was just your system, just what you do. <laughs> I, but like you, you go by the kind of the envelope Men- yeah. mentality right okay yeah i just I, just, I, I i still do that nothing's changed i just wonder what exactly you're getting at um <laughs> yeah i've got two so i've got my you know personal budget obviously and business budget 
Um, business budget's really, really easy because almost everything I have is a recurring uh, known cost, right? There's not a lot of, of like, quote unquote, like flex costs with the, the business. Like I know how much, um, you know, my insurance is. I know how much the cable bill is going to be for cable internet. Um, I wish it was Google Fiber bill, but that's another story. Um, right. So, so that's really easy to budget, right? Like I, I pretty much know what my expenses are and then I have, um, and then I, what I have left over is, uh, what I call like a, like a slush fund or basically like an, ex, it's an expense account for my business. And that's what pays for my trips to Macworld and WWDC. And it's what pays for the apps that I buy when I want to review something. Um, cause I pretty much everything I review, I, I buy with my own money because like I mentioned earlier, I'm just a little guy. And you know, and not not physically, but on the internet. Um, and so, like, I reach out to people, and I'm like, "Hey, I'd love to review this or try this out." And the vast majority of the time, I never hear from them. And so, I have to go. Well, I really want to review that. So, all right, I'm gonna have to buy it. Like, I did this uh, about a year ago. I did this review of all these clicky keyboards, right? I, you know, I've got one right here. Yep. Um. Anyways, uh, and. I had to buy all the keyboards that I wanted to review uh, with my own money. And then when I was done, I you know, sold some of them on eBay to, to get, make a little bit of my money back. So I have a budget for that. Um, and then my wife and I do something very similar with, uh, with our personal finances is everything's, you know, we do envelopes for like groceries. We do envelopes for, you know, meals and entertainment. We have one for uh, like a clothing budget, um, you know, car maintenance and gas budget and things like that. Um, cause we followed the, uh, system outlined by Dave Ramsey where basically every single dollar needs to go somewhere, right? You don't want, um, you know, you don't want just, uh, you know, a, a dollar floating around that's not, that's not allocated to somewhere because then that dollar is not doing anything for you. If you're just leaving it there and, and pretending it doesn't exist, well, then you could at least invest it and make a dollar back or put it in your pocket and go buy a candy bar, um, and, you know, get some sort of value from it instead of just ignoring it. So, so we literally have, um, you know, every single dollar of income, both, you know, for business and for personal, I have it allocated to, to something. And then we do this, uh, this cash, uh, cash envelopes. So, um, the vast majority of the time when I go somewhere, I pay with cash. And, uh, then when the envelope runs dry, then, you know, we're out of, you know, no more groceries for the rest of the month or whatever it may be. And, um, the kind of the purpose of all that was, uh, it's been almost nine months now since we've been doing it and it's been working out really well. It's a lot of work. Uh, but what I like about it is cause I had this idea. I was like, you know, I bet we could get basically like spend less money, but, but get more stuff. If that makes sense. Right. Um, instead of just saying, okay, you know, you've got, say you've got a thousand dollars a month. That's your budget, right? Okay. 500 bucks goes to your mortgage. 200 bucks goes to pay your insurance. Hundred bucks goes wherever you know for your utility bills, and okay, now I got like two hundred bucks left. Awesome, you know, spend it on whatever you know, gas, groceries, go out on a date, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then stop when you hit zero. Um, and that that was kind of how we had been doing things for a long time. And my thought was like, well, what if we you know took the like the the flex areas that that don't necessarily have a, a fixed cost? Like I know like my you know, my gas bill is $47 and 69 cents a month. I know my electricity bill is $102. Like, like I've got all this stuff. I know what the bills are, but for your groceries, it could be whatever you want, right? Like you, it could be whatever it is. And so we said, this is how much we feel comfortable spending on groceries every month. And let's see, let's see how that works. Right. And in practice, we actually are spending less, but getting more value for the money that we are spending. Um, so you know it's more work to do the divvy, divvy up the money and 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 fill you know populate the envelopes with cash. I gotta go to the bank, you know, do this withdrawals and stuff like that. But uh, highly recommend it. I love it. There's a link in the show notes, so people can check it out for themselves. Um, a. E. White would like to know if you use any apps for um, tracking your expenses, like for accounting purposes or whatever. I do for the business. Last year, I started using QuickBooks, and I hate QuickBooks with a. <laughs> I do not like QuickBooks. Um, I would probably like it more if it worked better with my bank. I yeah, bank with a local bank here, and um, I can't. The it doesn't doesn't do like the automatic like online syncing. Um, so I couldn't do that. And then the 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 way that I'm able to download my transaction data from my bank's website 
QuickBooks doesn't read those files. So literally, I had to I had to manually enter every single business transaction um, into QuickBooks, and that was just I hate that was stupid. I was uh, it was a nightmare. I was considering hiring a bookkeeper, which I was like that would be silly. I'm like a, a one man LLC. But anyways, so I recently came across uh, this Mac app that's called iBank. And it's awesome. Um, it still doesn't sync with my bank because my bank is silly, but it does uh, read the transaction data that I download. It imports it great. Um, and then when you're doing the import, you can say, um, at least with my bank, like it, you know, say I go have uh, lunch at Dean and DeLuca, it like, it says, you know, like, the the transaction, the name of the transaction is all weird, uh, you know, and like it's truncated and it's all in caps. So you can change it and you can say, okay, no, this should be, you know, title case and you use an ampersand, Dean and, and DeLuca. And then you can categorize it. Okay, this is a meals and entertainment expense, whatever. And then once you've set that, then all future imports that are a, a Dean and DeLuca expense, it it's you know, it automatically builds this rule and says, okay, these are always meals and entertainment expense category and change the title to this, you know, much nicer. So uh, this is cool. And they've got an iPhone and iPad app that I haven't yet tried out. Um, partly because I don't, I really only need to see my, my transactions and, and kind of review stuff. I do like a monthly, uh, review, see how things are going. And then at the end of the year, right. When I send everything off to them, my CPA, it's, it's nice to have those reports filled out. So, um, so I don't need like banking on the go. So I haven't yet, uh, got the iPad and, and iPhone versions, but they're there if you want them, which is, they're there. Yeah. And it, it, they all sync up together and, and whatnot. So I bank, it's pretty cool. I like it. Sounds like a good recommendation. So, um, we'll, let's talk a little bit about maybe maybe about some apps. So, do you have any apps that specifically that make your workday um, more bearable or improve it in some way? Like, is there anything that really stands out to you? Yeah, like RDO is uh, you know makes my workday a little bit more bearable. Um, the apps I use on a regular basis, you know, are I think are all kind of best of breed. I use Mars Edit for posting to my website. Uh, OmniFocus for tasks. I use Simple Note and MVAlt for notes. Uh, I do a lot of my long form writing in Byword. Uh, on the iPhone, you know, Simple Note obviously there. Uh, you know, Scratch is a is a really cool app. Um, Poster. It, I just started using that since the the two point release, and that's a that's a pretty nice iOS app. Um, that, I, I guess. Does that answer the question? Uh, yeah, it, it does. I mean. I probably don't need to link to those people. People surely know about these. But um, you mentioned Mars Edit and uh, Daniel Jalcott. He's my guest next week. Oh, he's a he's a quality guy. Yeah, so um, I'm really looking forward to that, actually. So um, should be an interest, interesting discussion. Well, he'll probably talk about a lot of things about development that I don't understand. I, I actually interviewed him years ago when I was first starting my site. We did an interview on the site. You should, uh, you should read that and, and maybe get a little history, and then you could ask him some fun questions. I'm going to, Sean. One of my favorite internet quotes from Daniel Jalkett, he said this on Twitter years ago, because he works from home too, right? He used to work for Apple, and then he quit and, and started Red Sweater Software, and it was going to be like a record label, book publishing, and software. Like, it was his whole thing, right? Because <laughs> he's um, So it was like Red Sweater Industries or whatever. Um, but then it is, you know, he ended up buying Mars Edit from uh, Brent Simmons and Ranchero, and you know, anyways. Um, so... So, you know, sometimes he jokes about, you know, the contrast between working at Apple and then now working from home for himself, building, you know, Apple software. And uh, I love this quote. He says, you know, if, um, you know, if I, if I still worked at Apple, I'd be showered and bored by now. Hmm. I, I thought that was, you know, a great, yeah, great line to, you know, from working from home versus yeah, like working in the corporate arena. I would be, I'd be showered and bored by now. Yes, that, that that very much sounds like something. Yeah, I like that. I like that. The, the, it's Anyways. an interesting way to say about you know the, the difference in the corporate world and the working from home world. Yeah, so he, he's a, he's a quality guy. Give him a high five. I will try to. I don't really know how that works, but I will try. Um, are there? Do you have any dream apps or apps that could be improved in a way that could make your days even more productive or fun? Yeah, uh, I think a better Mac version of OmniFocus would be great, and you know, it's it's on the way. It's very exciting, and um, I still don't feel like there is 
for me, a killer WordPress app for iOS. Uh, you know, Poster, which I just mentioned, I think is the closest, and it's really, really close. Um, it just, you know, the new version of Poster 2.0, they it uses custom fields now. You can adjust the slug. Um, it, it's got a URL scheme, so you can pass parameters from Mobile Safari into Poster. Um, so it's like almost, almost perfect. Um, it, but it's not quite a hundred percent. And and that probably just boils down to the fact that I'm extremely picky. I'm kind of dorky in that regard. And I kind of have like this picture in my head of exactly how things would work. Um, cause for me, one of the, the hardest parts to, to my job is, is posting links while I'm on the go. Uh, if I'm, you know, working, uh, from my iPad only, I like to take just my iPad when I go out and about, um, but it's not the easiest in the WordPress like mobile interface. It kind of kind of stinks. Um, plus, I like working in native apps, anyways. Um, so, anyway, so that would be great. And then, like an Amazon S3 app for iOS would oh, that'd be awesome too. Because I like to do sometimes I like to do these you know, these Shauna Day shows, and they all get uploaded to S3. But there's no easy way for me to get them from like if I record on my iPhone. Like I, I can't get it to S3 from there. So I've got to either do like a log me in on to back to my Mac and you know, that's, that's a pain or just wait till I get home to upload it or, you know, whatever. I I feel like there's some way that Brett Herbstra could just make that work. Well, there is, you know, actually there is, um, but I've, I've had trouble with it. Actually, uh, Gabe Weatherhead, I, I got a, a script from him basically using an Omni or not Omni, uh, a Hazel rule and a, Dropbox folder that you can drop a file into uh, Dropbox. Hazel will catch it, uh, upload it to an Amazon S3 bucket for you, and then actually get the public link for that and then paste that link into a note, um, you know, a, a, appended into a text document for you, um, which sounds like ideal, right? Like, okay, man, if I could just record this, get, get this recording from my phone onto a Dropbox folder somewhere that then I've got a Mac at home that's running, watching that Dropbox folder uploads it. And then, you know, and then I just go back to my notes application and there's a public link waiting for me. That sounds great. Um, but I've had a really hard time getting it to work in real life. So. I believe I, I the post on maybe Gabe's blog is automated FTP from Dropbox with Hazel. Right. So maybe I should just, uh, maybe I didn't persevere long enough, but I'm just not a, I'm not a coder. I, I get some of that stuff's just over my head. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't get any of that stuff. And more power to the people that do, or the people that teach themselves, like Federico Fatici. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more power to that guy. It's just something that I don't think I've got the time or brain space for. So, a couple more questions, Sean, and I'll let you go. Happy? Fire away! Yeah. What are the things that worry you most about the industry that you work in? Um. About the industry itself or just about me in the industry? I don't, I don't you, know. You, you being in it. So, like, you, you are a tech technology journalist primarily, you know. You are a technology blogger. Is there anything about the industry that concerns you, like the f- anything about the future of the industry or anything like that? I don't know. I think for me personally, like, I fear, you know, becoming irrelevant, um, maybe being discovered as, you know, I'm actually an imposter, um, losing my losing – my, passion for what I'm doing. Uh, I think I'm kind of afraid of all those a little bit. Um, I think for the industry as a whole, I don't know. Sometimes I, you you know, you like today there was that whole thing about the guy who made the fake Xbox rumor and, um, you know, all these, these sites linked to it, you know, Oh, you know, our inside sources tell us there's going to be a new, you know, thing called the X surface or whatever. Um, and then he goes, Hey, I was lying, you know, ha ha tricked you. This just goes to show how an anonymous tipster can totally make stuff up and people get on it. You know, and some of the sites, they, they do their update and they were like, well, it's not our fault. You know, we, we had a disclaimer and things like that. And I think that kind of depresses me a little bit to, to see, I don't know, like, like I was talking about earlier, just the, some of the people there's the, the jockeying for attention and stuff like that. And I, you know, it just, it just never goes away. And, um, cause in a way that's sort of how most internet websites, that's how they define success is in page views. And, um, so I think that's something that worries me is the, you know, that race to the bottom, the, 
the uh, the um, the emphasis on traffic and page views as being the primary metric for success, um, as opposed to you know metric of of quality and and having a race at the top where you're you know competing to do the best work and trying to honor your readers the most. Uh, it, you don't see that very much, and you're you know you see it less and less even. Because the the big guys, the noisiest guys, they're the ones that are racing at the bottom, and that's that's what you mostly see. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. That that that, that sentence about the noisiest guys are the ones racing to the bottom, the ones that scream on and shout on top of a soapbox. Yeah. What are the best things about your job? I know the relationships that I've you know been able to develop. Um, you know, for guys like you, Mike, and, um, you know, getting to meet all the, um, the developers, peers in the industry, some of my heroes in the industry, getting to meet with them. And you know, even like my family, that was a, a big part of why I originally decided to quit my old job and, and start this one and work from home is because my wife and I were expecting our first kid. Uh, you know, I wanted to be home. And so the, the relationships with my, my son and my wife that having this job has enabled me to do, it's definitely a, a balance, but it's, uh, so worth it. It's been great. Excellent. One last question before mm-hmm. I let you go. This is from a um, good, good friend and listener, Mr. Florian Lano, and he wants to know, um, when going full-time, is it part of people's strategies or your strategy to take over my network, or is this optional? Uh, it's a it, required strategy. Okay. I, I, yeah, not optional at all. It's basically, there was like a two-month period where Sean appeared on every show. <laughs> <laughs> that's because everybody loves you Sean so that everyone wants to have you on their show I just figured that, you know all the other guests were busy I was the only guy available everyone else had something to do we, I'll uh, do it we, we, we instigated the Sean Blanc contingency it's like yeah. a break glass kind of scenario and then we all just invite we all just emailed you <laughs> go yep so Sean tell people where you can be found online. Uh, I have a website, seanblanc.net and uh, toolsandtoys.net. And you're on Twitter and app.net? Yes, I am as at seanblanc awesome. on both. Awesome. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on both services too. And as I mentioned earlier, next week we are going to be joined by Mr. Daniel Jalkut. That uh, episode should be coming to you maybe a day or two earlier than usual. Um, just because, um, just because, scheduling. Because why not, right? Exactly, because let's mix it up. <laughs> why not, as Sean says. Sean, you have a podcast, the B&B podcast on 5 by 5 too. People should listen mm-hmm. to that. So there you go. Sure do. Sean, thank you for joining me, sir. It's always a pleasure, never a chore, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will be able to take your great advice and tips and go and build something awesome. Good luck. Do it. Thank you. Until next week, bye-bye.